when you pitch to journalists, you're not selling to them. They're not going to buy from you. And so doing this mental gymnastics of turning your sales pitch of who your product benefits, all of those things into something that leads with the trend or the news topic or a discussion or being a solution, you automatically feel less icky about it because you're not really selling anything. Creative solutions are the best contributions we make. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. This episode is brought to you by my Beach Read Bundle. Buy my book, The Fiddler's Talisman, and get the sequel, The Piano's Key, half off. This special bundle is on sale through June 21st, the first day of summer. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast host, Podbean. And last, if you want to know how to pitch yourself to podcasts so the hosts can't wait to have you on their shows, download my free bonus PDF that shows you how to do it. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you being here, and you are going to appreciate this week's guest. She's a returning guest, and she's amazing. If you want to know things about PR and marketing, she is the person you need to be talking to. Gloria Chow is on the show again. Let me tell you about Gloria. Gloria is a former U.S. diplomat turned award-winning small business PR expert. Having hacked her own PR without any agency experience or connections, Gloria created a proven three-step pitching framework called the CPR method that is awesome that I've used myself that's helped thousands of bootstrapping entrepreneurs go from unknown to being seen, heard, and valued. She's also the host of the Small Business PR Podcast and is proud to support diverse founders with a community of over 90% women of colored-owned businesses. How is that? Gloria, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Yay, thanks for having me. I am so thrilled to have you back on the show. The last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about sort of some of the differences and you 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 raised some things that made me go, oh, this is all opened up for me now. I would love for you to talk just briefly about how you went, though, from U.S. diplomat to PR marketing pro who has helped so many people, women especially, really flourish in their businesses. Ah, that's such a good question. And if anyone is looking for a career change or feels like something just isn't right, this episode is for you. So I grew up in a very um, uh, multicultural household. So my mother's from China. I grew up bilingual. And then, you know, I've always taken an interest in traveling around. So from a very young age, I thought international relations was my thing, right? I studied abroad in South Africa. So I was pre-selected into the foreign service, had my security clearance and had a really comfortable 25 year career ahead of me. And I just found myself deeply unhappy and unfulfilled Mm. in the strict rigidity of bureaucracy, even though on the outside, I had the best life. And it was not an easy decision, you know, like giving up all those benefits. But I knew in my heart, I was meant for something a little bit more creative and working with other creators. Unfortunately, I realized that while I was in this other job. So (laughs) I I, uh, basically knew that I love communications. I love seeing people win. And I was always that friend who was connecting other people. So for example, if you had a restaurant and then I knew somebody who was at a magazine, I would be like, oh my God, like you should meet them. So I was always doing this kind of matchmaking on my own. Mm -hmm. And I thought PR was a natural kind of next step because that's really what gives people that visibility, right? I just love to see people win. So I think I applied for over like a thousand jobs in various PR agencies and nobody would hire me because- Yeah, I have the LinkedIn receipts to prove it. Um, (laughs) So it's definitely a crushing to my ego because I realized very shortly after that, that traditional PR is very strict in the fact that they really want you to have that cookie cutter agency experience. 
And I was like, I don't have agency experience, but I know I could PR the hell out of this. And I was like, you know what? F it. I'm just going to start cold calling. So I think my first client was a friend of a friend. And uh, he had a really small startup. It was like him and two founders and engineers. It was a beta product. Some really interesting, complex AI fintech regulatory stuff. I had no idea what any of that meant. And I literally (laughs) rolled up my sleeves and sat with the engineers looking at spreadsheets and data, trying to find what was interesting, what is relevant, how can we connect something that is so complex and make it matter for anyone who is reading this. And then since I didn't have any contacts, right, I never studied journalism. What did I have to do, Isolde? I literally Googled newsroom operator, New York Times. And so from literally cold calling all of these newsrooms and getting people onto CNBC, Forbes, FT, New York, like Wall Street Journal, I was like, you know what, I could do this. And I just turned everything that I learned from being rejected and throwing spaghetti on the wall. And I turned that into a winning pitch framework for cold pitching to allow anyone to advocate for themselves. And and you've seen this in action and it works. Absolutely. Uh-oh. Did, did yeah. I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay, good. Whew. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that though. Let's talk about this framework because you said something to me and, and I kind of feel like I'm going to be referencing this first, the first interview you and I did, the first chat we had, because you told a story that I think is so brilliant. And in case someone, you should go listen to a just in case she tells it differently this time. But I would love it if you would talk a little bit about before we talk about all of the things you just mentioned. Tell me the difference between sales and marketing. Ooh, that's such a good one. So sales, you mean sales, sales, marketing and PR, right? Go for it. Yeah. So obviously, like in order to make sales, you need all of those things. So marketing is a tool. PR is a tool. A lot of times people think that PR falls under the umbrella of marketing and it gets very convoluted, right? We have pay to play stuff. How many times like raise your hand if you have had those people hitting you up on the DMs asking you, hey, you want to get feature 40 under 40 or most innovative and like that stuff is honestly, in my opinion, garbage. It's Mm. pay to play. And um that is paid marketing. So that really falls under the umbrella of advertising, right? Which has its place. But what I'm talking about is something that is sustainable, that gives you credibility, searchability, and that traffic. And nothing checks all three boxes like earned organic PR. When I say earned, I don't mean you're paying an influencer or someone that is like freelancing as a writer and giving them tons of free merch. I mean, credible editorial features, like a journalist at the New York Times, they're not going to take your money, right? You have to convince them that you can be a source of information, that you have a point of view. And so that's really what I help founders do is first, empower them to believe that they do have something to say. And two, how to turn their marketing brochure or unwritten biography and all the paragraphs they want to stuff into an email. How can we write it in a way that positions you as someone that's an expert. And so that's really what the CPR method does. It's a way to have a cold pitch, but a way to get the other person to say, hell yes, even if they don't know you. And what's interesting about that is that earned media is something that gives you credibility in a way that is, like you said, it's organic, but it's also I mean, credibility is, yes, it's accreditation. Somebody thinks, okay, you've sort of been vetted. Can you talk about the importance of that, please, about why someone would want to have that credibility, why someone would want to be vetted through a journalist or through some other what you called earned media perspective? Well, I think the at the the baseline layer is 
if it was easy, everyone could do it, right? So this takes <laughs> <For sure. laughs> this takes not just spinning your wheels on Instagram, which by the way can be hacked, blocked, or banned. So it's not sustainable. We've all seen what's happening with TikTok. Um, so in the in the realm of like your entrepreneur mindset, you should always ask yourself, am I doing something that's like a $10 an hour task that's not really building a long-term asset? Or am I doing something that's really going to give me that sustainable long-term asset? So for me, I'd rather get onto a podcast like I'm doing with you, which provides SEO optimized show notes. I can create reels and audiograms and carousel posts that's searchable. I'd rather do that all day than create like an Instagram reel that's going to go away in, in 24 hours because all the algorithm doesn't like me. Right. Um, and it's also credibility too, because you don't just take anybody on your podcast, right? You've interviewed like the world's like most renowned people. So there is a bar to reach. So it's all about positioning yourself as an expert. And then if you can leverage that audience and convince like a journalist at Entrepreneur, New York Times or Forbes, then it automatically has that seal of approval. It's other people validating for you. It's not you saying, hey, look at me, I'm so great. And here's what I have to say. It's other people saying, well, this is what this person thinks. And this is why their point of view is important. And so that's really what I mean by that earned editorial, credible media. Like, especially if you are not making products, if you are a life coach or an author, think about it this way, right? If you see someone who has been featured in Business Insider or the Wall Street Journal, aren't you more likely to believe that what they say has some weight to it, right? That doesn't, just because someone gives me more ads is not going to make me feel that way, but that earned editorial PR will. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting when I was in Fast Company about public speaking and communication, someone was doing a story about it and I pitched them and got in. It ended up, I ended up being the only person who was cited. It, the entire article was about my ideas, right? And one of the things that I found was fascinating was how much it did earn me as far as people knowing who I was and being able to use that that article as my calling card for people who otherwise didn't know me. So can you talk a little bit about how that works? How do you then leverage, let's say you get your earned media, how do you leverage it into expanding your business, building your credibility and even, you know, increased revenue? Well, I think with everything in life, there's always the mental and spiritual gain and then the actual like tangible material gain. So let's talk about the mindset thing. If you know that you can be at a point in your business where the the you know entrepreneur magazine or Forbes wants to hear what you have to say, that level of confidence will just clear so many blocks for you. I can't tell you how many founders in my community who thought they would never get the attention of somebody like Vogue or Allure and they get featured, all of a sudden they realize they've been playing really small, right? So mm. from a mental gain, it's absolutely transformative and I've seen it so many times. And then they think, well, if I can get onto here, I'm going to pitch to this retailer. I'm going to pitch to speak at this panel. I should be in that hat too. So it just opens you up to so many opportunities that you thought you were too small for. So that's, I think, the real gain. Now, in terms of like material gain, there's so many things, right? So you get website traffic, right? It's searchable. It's oftentimes one of the first things when people Google you, it'll come up first because that has a, a rank authority. The, um, you know, you writing on your blog that maybe 20 or 50 people will see is not as powerful as you being featured in like a, you know, a magazine, right? So that's always going to be an online thing. Let's be honest. You probably Google me before I came on here too, right? So you want to be of searchable. Course. And you want to be searchable without having to pay for ads. So that's that's the first like tangible material gain. Second thing is that it'll allow you to drive traffic back to your website. So even if you sell a product or not, you can start 
getting first-party data, which is so important in marketing, which means you can have like a little submission form on your website that says, um, if you want to sign up for my newsletter or upcoming announcements, give me your email. So that person then has opted in willingly without you having to target them, right? So that just like is 10 times better than any kind of ad you can run. And here's another thing, in 2024, ads tracking is going away, which means that you will not be able to target and chase people around on the internet with cookies. So I don't see a better way to solve that problem than just getting onto more organic earned features. Another thing is, especially if you do something with coaching, you really need that credibility, right? How do you separate yourself from all of the other public speaking coaches? Well, if I see your website, Ajilda, and I see that you have had been vetted by all of these magazines and you can put their logos onto your website, that's really going to give me that stamp of approval for me to give you um, my money and put my credit card in. Yeah, and I love that you said that notion of really sort of reflecting back what the earned media was in another a publication like a magazine or a newsletter or something like that and then referencing it in your own that sort of interlinked cross-linking is really important for all of us who are building our businesses but also i want to get back to something you said about confidence and can you talk a little bit more about that how not how to how do you get the confidence from having earned media but what does an entrepreneur or even more importantly a creative or even more importantly than that, someone who's working for a cause, what do they need to do to really have the confidence to go to some of these big players and pitch them? Well, I think the most beautiful thing about turning your marketing and sales message into a newsworthy one that journalists will like is that it just gets rid of all of the fear that you're being salesy. Because here's the thing, when you pitch to journalists, you're not selling to them. You're not, they're not going to buy from you. And so doing this mental gymnastics of turning your sales pitch of who your product and ben benefits for all of those things into something that leads with the trend or the news topic or a discussion or being a solution, you automatically feel less icky about it because you're not really selling <laughs> anything. And here's like a litmus test on if you know you're doing PR well is instead of thinking about features and benefits and the ROI and talking to a customer, you can start to elevate your thinking of, wow, like people are talking about AI. Like, how can I add my two cents into there? Or, ooh, this is an interesting angle because now we're in XYZ season, right? And I have a whole training on this, obviously, but the moment you can do that work, and that's what the CPR method helps you do, transform your sales message into one that is relevant, seasonal, timely, then you automatically feel like you are adding value into the world. You're not being pesky. You're not being annoying. You're not being a you know, used car salesman. You're literally saying to the journalist, hey, this is a topic that people already care about, right? Whether it's AI or health food or New Year, New You or whatever it is. Here is just three steps, three ways, three things to consider. And I think here's another thing where people get tripped up. They think, well, everything has already been said before, right? So if you're a public speaking coach, you're like, why would someone cover me versus like, you know, the most famous one? Well, guess what? There are people who need your information at every level. I had someone who's a Pilates teacher and I kid you not, Isolda, she got featured in an article in 2022 called What is Pilates? Oh, wow. So just when you think everything's been said and done by all of the most famous people, there are still people who need your information. And the news cycle is 24 seven. And you know, why not have it be you, that person who finally gets into the journalist inbox and they're saying, yes, finally something that is useful that I can help create content with. 
I can't believe you just said that about what is Pilates. I'm still blown away by that. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. So yeah. let me, we, you know, we talked about this again the last time we chatted on the show. And I highly recommend, again, if you're listening to this, go listen to that first episode. Gloria dropped so much wisdom. But can you talk about exactly what the C, P, and R of the CPR method stand for? What is the CPR method? Ooh, so the CPR method is basically what I found in terms of patterns of what worked and what didn't. Because remember, I never worked in PR. I didn't have a Rolodex of contacts. I was literally Googling broken links and like trying to find these journalists on the internet, right? So I was really, really bootstrapping it. And so I started to pick up on patterns on when my email or when my cold outreach would get answered and when it wouldn't. Because remember, I don't know any of these journalists and they don't know me. I'm just a nobody, right? And I realized that all of the pitches whether it's for speaking, awards, podcasts, gift guides, founders features. When they get featured, they have these three elements, right? The first one, C stands for credibility. It's just a one sentence of, hey, you know, I've witnessed this firsthand. So if you are uh, someone who's an author and you write about like education, right? It could be like, you know, as a previous teacher, I've seen this, right? So it's very simple. That's the C in credibility. P and CPR stands for point of view. Why? because it's about turning your sales message into the one of you being an expert and an experts have point of view. So usually what that looks like in an email is three bullet points, like to help your audiences understand um, how AI is changing the world of publishing. Here are three things, or here are three things you didn't know about, um, you know, whatever, whatever healthcare trend, or here are three things you didn't know about kind of the, the new legislation about public safety. Right? I like threes. I like bullet points. It makes it look easy. And you're not stuffing too much into a paragraph because journalists are busy, honey, and you do not totally. want to turn them off. Right. And you know this because you get pitches all the time. If I get I a do. pitch that that has 50 different paragraphs next, it just right. means you Right, right. It means they haven't done the the work to really do this work of like honing in their message. So that's what the CPR method tells you. And the R from CPR stands for relevance. This is probably mm -hmm. the most important thing. And I don't need to tell you this because what is news if it's not relevant? So I'm thinking if what's happening right now, I don't care what industry you're in. So many changes have happened. I honestly feel like we go through 10 years of changes in one year now. Now mm -hmm. with ChatGPT, with COVID, with everything that's happening, like in the in in the government, in policy, like pick something in your industry that is changing, that's relevant, that people care about. Maybe if it's end of year, it could be like a gift guide, consumer recap, how we spent our money this year. If it's new year, it could be establishing new routines, setting yourself up for success. If it's something in June or July, it could be summer activities. Heck, it could even be new graduation skills and what job recruiters are looking for. There's always something you can tie your angle to. And when you start to think about your business in this way, that's not about who it's for and what you're selling you start to think in terms of angles and subject lines and relevant stories. And here's a pro tip. Go on to Google, not right now, after this episode, and install <laughs> a Google News Alert. So Google oh, News idea. Alerts is free. And you can literally type in whatever your industry is, right? Let's say let's say it's public speaking, right? We can put that in there. And so every day, Google will ping you with the articles online that are being published about your industry. And the reason why this is good is you start to think in terms of subject lines. Instead of selling and what your marketing speak is, you start to think about what's relevant and what the news cycle is talking about. And you'll start realizing there's no shortage of things to say. You just have to shift your perspective. And guess what? When you shift your perspective, everything changes. 
Um, truer words were never spoken. I'm, I feel like I just keep having to go mic drop. I'm doing that mentally after everything you say. Uh, here's the thing, though, right? We, like you said just a minute ago, technology is changing at such a rapid pace. And businesses, small and large, are facing new challenges in tech, new challenges in the way the world works. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the biggest challenges that, that we as entrepreneurs and small businesses, medium business, even large businesses are facing when it comes to adapting to the changing landscape of marketing in general and PR? Yeah, I mean, I always say this, you know, it's like, are you doing a $10 an hour job? Or are you doing a $10,000 an hour job, right? So I actually on my week on my monthly coaching calls with my PR program, I always do this, where I show them like a table of the $10 an hour tasks that you can delegate to someone on Fiverr. Or are you doing the $10,000 an hour tasks such as speaking on a podcast, doing speaking, like, you know, like uh, crafting your pitch or, you know, getting featured. That to me creates long-term ROI. So that's a challenge as we become more and more bootstrapped in the inflationary environment. I'm thinking, how can I use my time more wisely, right? Another thing, obviously, I talked about is the viability of social media. Like we don't know when it's going to be hacked. And I cannot tell you how many friends messaged me and was like, hey, something happened with my Facebook. They just won't let me in or something. Like we can't depend on these these audience building tools because we don't own them, mm -hmm. right? So that's what PR allows you to do. It allows you to have that sustainability and direct people with first party data. Um, and, and I also think in general, it's like customers are being more and more privy to just disgusting, icky marketing tactics that no longer work. Mm -hmm. So things that we've been told for so long that maybe worked in the 2000s, like that are infomercial kind of like trying to trigger a nervous system response of like only three spots left by now. Like people don't like that. And people don't want to make decisions based on pressure and FOMO because they know that in this saturated marketplace, they can probably get it from somebody else when they're ready. Right. So it's like, how do you, how do you decolonize yourself? How do you cleanse yourself of that toxic marketing is I think something that we all have to do because it just doesn't work anymore, right? Things like timers that are fake, things like spots are running out. Like people know that it's not running out or even like, have you seen those on the webinars, like the value stacking, like you get this and this and this and this for $20,000, <laughs> but today for nine ninety five, like please treat people with some dignity, dignity and respect, right? Sure. And so I've done a lot of work with my... Oh, my own journey with this because I also was brainwashed in this way, right? Because it's in the online world, that's what we were told. We we're like, these are the five people who did it and you just follow this. And so I've been on a journey to cleanse myself of it too, working with my ethical copywriter, Brittany McBean. I actually, so I got rid of the value stack and I actually reveal the price of my program, which I will pitch at the end at the beginning. And I say, hey, I know this is not your first rodeo. I know you've, you, you know that there's a pitch coming. And so this is what it is. Here is the price. And it's just like allows everybody to relax a little bit more. Um, and then also just being more authentic with your storytelling. So really gimmicky marketing things don't really trick people anymore because everyone's doing that. So how do you stand out, right? You have to stand out by being vulnerable, being authentic, being yourself so that people can understand how is this person different than the next person that's using the same templates? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that you said that, that notion of authenticity. We've bandied the word around. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk started talking about that 
in in sort of marketing talk in back in 2007 and the the trouble for me is that there seems to be a goink there seems to be a cognitive dissonance between people and i'm not talking about gary vaynerchuk specifically between people who talk about authenticity but then you can't help feeling that they're not being authentic and so can i want to i want to sort of get into the psychology of this with you a little bit because we have these people like social media influencers who are going mm, i'm trying this drink i love it and when they do that the understanding is that probably their followers will go oh she liked that drink that must mean i'll like that drink but that's not authentic so what will work what kind of authentic relationship building can an entrepreneur or small business owner be doing right now to really build those relationships. Well, I think one of the things that's a really brave act that will get you like super fans is just calling out the BS in your industry that no one's talking about. So like what I what I said about marketing, right? Like it's like stop doing these like crazy funnel bro toxic disgusting icky things, right? Um it doesn't work anymore. Another thing I do more vocally now is really calling out the industry of PR and how it was built on privilege and access, meaning you mm. had to pay somebody, right? $10,000 a month to call their buddies up. And guess what? People of color, people who are immigrants, people who have disabilities, people who are disenfranchised, they don't have privilege and access. So my whole mission is really to invite more people and to tell and to like rewrite the narrative of what PR is and, and how it really doesn't serve uh, for the purpose of accessibility. We need to invite all people to share their story on every outlet. And there is no like amount of money you have to pay to do that, right? So that's really what my business is. So think about what in your industry are is just you think absolute BS that you're that you think, but you're not saying. Maybe call that out, you know, because you're because the, the whole point is you're not trying to get everybody. You're not a McDonald's, right? And the more you elevate your business, the more you realize that you're not a McDonald's, and the more you realize you just want the hell yes people. And you want to actually get unsubscribes and you want to get people who say hell no, so that the hell yes people can lean all the way in. And that's kind of the beautiful journey of entrepreneurship. And that's when you know you've really done well is when you're no longer afraid and you're not trying to attract everybody. Yeah. And it's funny, my husband and I were just talking about that. Uh, and I was talking about that to comedian Mike Kaplan, who was on the show yesterday. And this notion of getting to the point where you don't have to take every gig, right? Where you're not so nervous about it. And I guess some of that is self-confidence and some of that is knowing that you are being the real you, if you will. And yet this this notion of calling out the BS, like for example, I get, I don't know, 20 to 30 PR pitches a day for people who are, uh, a lot of them are in sales. A lot of them want to get sort of access to my audience so that they can sell to them. And I had to sort of put the kibosh on it and say, you know, you're going to get an opportunity to talk about what you're doing, but 60% of what you talk about needs to be for the benefit of my audience. About 30% can be for you and about 10% can be for me. That's the ratio. Those are the ratios I'm comfortable with. And I've sort of had to train the PR people to do that. So the question for me as a podcast host who gets so many pitches a day what can I be doing with the people who pitch me, not necessarily the PR pros, but the small business owners who are in the niche that I'm serving? What can I be doing to help them pitch me better? 
Well, I mean, obviously, I think having people like me on your podcast, right, that's really helping and also sharing what you've learned on the receiving side. Um, you shared on my podcast just such amazing gems about what goes in a pitch and how just because you have a PR person, it actually doesn't make the pitch more prestigious. And I think no. here's another thing I forgot to add is on a podcast, you are connecting directly with the host, right? So it's not like it's a written kind of communication and you're on just a, like an online blog. Like we have to spend a good 30, 40 minutes together. And there's a lot of time and energy that goes into producing it. So I think you can agree. And I've interviewed other people who agree is don't hire someone to send your pitches. If you can't even send the podcast host your own pitch, then it just puts a bad taste in everyone's mouth. So I think this whole veil of like, oh, PR, like I need to have a PR agent represent me. It's still very kind of mad men and outdated and it's not true anymore. So here's me calling out another piece of BS is do not hire somebody to pitch on your behalf. Yes, you can delegate it to somebody on your team, but it's not going to make the podcast host feel like you're somehow ooh, more prestigious because you have someone else pitching on your behalf. 90% of the times the pitch is garbage. <laughs> well, I, you know what? It, the, the thing that, that doesn't work for me about that is when they haven't researched me. Like That's so important. If you are a hunter trying to come by the Creative Solutions podcast where I talk a lot about animal welfare, animal rights and veganism, it's not a great idea, right? So some of that for me is it's not necessarily even that the pitch is garbage, it's that it's not focused in the right direction for this podcast. So when you're talking to people who are going to be pitching, who are going to be going out there and pitching, and several of the people from your program have pitched me and have been on my show, when you're talking to them, what kind of research do you tell them? Do you recommend that they do in order to be able to not just pitch effectively, but pitch the right people? I love what you said about that, but I want to address the first thing you said, which is the PR people are not even sending the right pitches. So here's what I've learned about PR. And I'm really, this is like my thing that I'm trying to tell everyone is if you hire a PR agency, they're not going to care about advocating for you as much as you do. Because guess what? If you actually send that pitch, I 100% guarantee you're not going to send a pitch that's, that's misaligned. And mm. the other day I got a pitch from someone who does like construction molding and flooring. Mm. And I was like, and, and it was them paying someone else that's an agency. And I just felt awful for this guy. I'm like, you're paying for these like podcast people to pitch you about something that's not even on my show. Right. So like, yes, you can delegate it, but unless you do the work as your, as a founder and knowing your message, if you just keep throwing money at the problem and having someone else do it for you, it's never going to give you an ROI. Right. I wish there was a shortcut. I wish there was like a miracle diet, pill there, <laughs> but there isn't. But here's right. what I can tell you is by doing the sacred work, you will 100% learn how to be a better communicator. And I have never had anyone complain to me about, oh, you know, I really wish I didn't learn how to communicate better. Like this is a lifelong skill that's going to pay dividends throughout the rest of your life. I guarantee that. So that's the first thing about advocating for yourself. Um, this, the second thing is obviously like watch the PR masterclass that I have. You can go to GloriaChowPR.com slash masterclass, show you exactly what the CPR method is and what components that is right and in terms of finding journalists i get asked this a lot too is you can turn on a google news alert right that's the first one another thing is if you have uh if you listen to like apple Podcasts, 
And if you like a podcast that you think you could be good on, if you scroll to the bottom, they suggest other podcasts. So you can start to make your own little media list, if you will. I have this in my program all done for you, but you can do it on your own and kind of hack it on your own, right? Another thing you can sign up for is called HARO, which is old. I know you know about this. HARO sure. stands for Help a Reporter Out. Um, basically, you sign in, sign up as a source and they give you all these emails of hundreds of different queries from journalists, mostly going to be unrelated to your field, but some that might be. And then if you answer the query correctly, then you can get featured. Sometimes they're really big magazines, right? And I've had people in my PR program, like get on BuzzFeed and Allure and Vogue just on Haro. And, but still there is a trick to this. So I don't want you to spend all your time digging through this. Um, so you want to do a, do a strategically. So these are all the ways that you can start to learn how to connect with journalists, learn how to translate your pitch from a sales one into a newsworthy one. And I think through that process, you're just going to get better and better and better. You know exactly what are the topics that you can talk about in that season. Yes, all true, all true. Agreed. Again, mic drop. And, and you know, with 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 Haro, which I love, my my uh, acquaintance, Peter Shankman, started it and he started it because he wanted more people to have access to these journalists and the journalists to have more access to experts. And it makes all the sense in the world and crafting your pitch so that it is timely because a lot of these aren't uh, going to be waiting around. The, the deadline is usually like tomorrow by noon, right? And so so there's, there's this timeliness factor, this relevance factor that's so important. But like you said earlier, my goodness, technology is growing at an exponential rate, you know, and AI, for example, coming in in the last few months and just really blowing up. What do you see as far as that goes? I'm going to ask you to put your fortune teller hat on. And what do you see about some of these emerging technologies and how how likely are they to have a major impact on PR and marketing into the future? Well, I think technology definitely can bring access in many ways, but I don't think it's going to replace PR just because like chat GPT told me something it's not going to necessarily make me have that that credibility of like the logo and like you know editorial right so I, I don't I think it functions more as like a search uh, Q&A search engine but not it's not going to give you that PR traffic and credibility and like SEO so I don't think it's going to replace PR but I do think for marketing it's doing so much right so if you have a podcast Obviously, you know this, you're probably already using AI tools, uh, easily transcribe all of your Zoom meetings, summarize them, boom, make like 10 different things out of it. You can make Instagram posts, Instagram captions, you can make newsletters, content blogs. So it just helps you work smarter, um, which I think is good. Um, but again, with every technology, right, there's always a dark side. And so that's privacy, that's data and all of those things that we already are aware of. And that dark side is definitely something that we're all going to be watching because I don't think we we know the even a tenth of what this technology, what these technologies are going to do as far as content creation and also just the, the amount of information that's out there. I'd like, if I can, to switch gears just a little bit and talk to you a little bit about something that you mentioned and 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 the question I have around it. You in, in your bio, you know, it says, hey, you work a lot with women-owned and especially uh, marginalized or minority business owners. And so when a business is trying to market to them, to people who are perhaps marginalized, who are underrepresented, who are minorities, how can they make sure that what they're doing marketing-wise and PR-wise, that those efforts are inclusive and diverse? What are your, what's your advice for that? Well, I think we've seen a lot of backlash with 
with a lot of companies kind of using the Black Lives Matter quote unquote trend and then, you know, using that as a marketing thing and customers see right through it. I think that your values are something that you live and breathe every day. It's the little things that you do every day, not the one big PR campaign that you have. Um, So I I know a lot of online entrepreneurs do say that they care about DEI, but then when I scroll through their Instagram, everybody looks able-bodied. Everyone looks like, you know, English is their first language and um, they're all white. So I, I do think that people are waking up to it, right? I also think if you have a podcast, if you have if you have a platform, I think it's your duty to be able to shine a light on other people, right? And as older, you've done a great job of doing that. And I do that as well. Thank I'm you. always living through the lens of how can I invite someone to the conversation that has a different experience, lived experience from what we normally see. You know, growing up, I never saw anyone like me in the media, mm. you know, maybe just in Kung Fu movies, but people still think I'm, I'm a foreigner. They sometimes ask, wow, your English is so good. So we can't change that unless we are literally taking up space in the media. So that's my work that I'm doing. And that's really my mission. And I really think it's sacred. Um, I just came back from a conference from a very, very famous online entrepreneur. And, you know, I was at lunch with some of these other entrepreneurs and they said, you know, I think it's so cool, Gloria, that you have like such a diverse audience. I really, really wish that I had more diverse people in my course and I just don't attract them. And then they just kind of stop there. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's something about you and your messaging. You know, it's not just like, Mm -hmm. well, I don't attract them. So too late. I think the thing with race too is like, you know, it's, it's not enough to be, you know, just in your bubble. Like you really have to get outside of our bubble. Right. So if you grow up and everyone looks like you and has the same thing, it takes effort to like go to your local mosque and sit with the imam or maybe like make friends with someone who is, has a disability or just like learn from other people. But if we don't, actually take the effort to like read the books and do the work and get proximate to people from different lived experiences. And we expect that to just be a part of our natural status quo. It's just never going to happen. We're never going to build bridges. So I really challenge people who do say, oh, I really care about DEI, but my audience just isn't diverse to really look inside of yourself and see in what ways are you mixing new activities or like getting, you know, getting proximate to people with different lived experiences. Because obviously, if you keep doing what you're doing, nothing really is going to change, right? That's just the law of gravity. Yeah, what, what I, isn't that quote attributed some or some version of that? If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly who who said that, but that to me is like, yeah, for sure. And you know, it's interesting listening to you. I'm like, yay, Gloria, that's so awesome. I have a slightly different perspective in that I don't sound like I'm from another country. I look white. I am an immigrant and English is actually my fourth language, not my first or second. And so it's it is interesting to me to to live in that place and kind of go, okay, my experience is is different yet again from a lot of other people's. And this notion of being purposeful with reaching out to people who are not like you is something that is critical as we move forward, because we're all hurtling on this on this you know this planet of rock and water through space and we're all here together like it or not so the question that i have for you about that part of it is what would you what would success in that way look like to you from an earned media perspective you mean you mean earned media to talk about to to highlight people who are diverse exactly from the perspective of um of like how how diverse 
audiences can get on to magazines, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, if I weren't, if I wasn't yeah. clear in that question. Yeah. yeah, because to me, like what we're talking about here, this notion of, you know, you're working so much with entrepreneurs of color and a lot of women entrepreneurs. And the what would it look like if to, to have them be successful psychologically, spiritually, and also financially? Well, I think it's all about a qual, you know, a- access and kind of redistributing wealth. Like the reason why, and this is to me like a natural law of the universe is like we know for a fact that Black women start more businesses than any other demographic. Like that is actual fact. You can Google it, but we don't see that reflected in media, right? Now, my audience is mostly Black women, right? And that makes mm. sense to me because there's more Black women starting businesses. So how can we just make the media? podcasting, panelists, wherever you are, just more, a little bit more reflective of your audience. So that way that you're truly building a, a business that flows in every direction. I think that's really important from, from the person who is in the in the position who has the platform. And I think for people who, who have been disenfranchised or have told that they somehow need to like wait their turn or something like that, um, you know, the, the work that we're doing is really important too, right? Because we're, we're interviewing and using our platform to give people with different life experiences um, a, a way in. And I know it's very uncomfortable because, you know, I, I recently had someone who was a friend of mine and she faced a lot of backlash for one of her events uh, because she had an all white audience, able bodied and and uh, people were like, you know, this is you you say that you're diverse, but not. And people were just basically canceling from the event. It was this huge mess. And she was like mm. going into a downward spiral. There was like a Reddit thread started about her. And and I was like, you know, it's really tough and nobody deserves that. But like maybe at the same time, this is, could be an opportunity for you because you could say, well, why is it that my audience is so, you know, binary or, or so, you know, uh, like homogeneous? Like maybe this is a way for you to just listen and say, listen, I don't have all the answers and I'm on this journey myself, but I would love to be able to create a space where we can come together and not attack each other, but learn from each other. And I think it's hard, right? It's hard to open yourself up for that because that your thinking is like, okay, well, I didn't do something right. So you naturally want to just like cover it up or just start defending yourself, but maybe just use that as a platform, you know? And, and I think this work can't be done by just marginalized people. Like we need to be allies. We need to have people who are in a privileged position, um, you know, white men, white women, people who are from higher socioeconomic levels, people who, you know, have had those opportunities to be able to use their platform and privilege to acknowledge that, you know, they can create safe spaces for other people. Absolutely. And on top of that, because I agree with you wholeheartedly, on top of that, we as hosts, as people who are able to highlight and elevate people, we can encourage people of color, we can encourage traditionally underrepresented people to to be here, to be part of the conversation, you know, to be a guest on my show, for example. That's one of the things that I can do as a host of a podcast that has many, many thousands of listeners. I want to be sure that I am not only helping tell their stories, but in encouraging people who otherwise might not want to or might not feel like they could to actually step up. So when when you're doing that, when you when you're working that part of your business, Gloria, what I guess to me is how how does how does your business reflect that? In addition to the fact that you've got this, you know, these programs, what kinds of outreach, what kinds of new product lines, what are you thinking that will help with that moving into the future of your business? 
Well, I think what's really important is that people don't want tools and strategies and videos like they want to feel seen and connect with other people. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's really important. What I've added is monthly mastermind style like coaching calls. And I actually introduce people. I'm like, oh, you're in Dallas. Talk to her. Or, oh, you're in this business. So I'm helping them network and create a safe space because mm -hmm. a lot of times you just need to see other people who are on the same journey as you. And on, I always start my calls with what are we decolonizing ourselves from? Like, what are we letting go of? And we have people in the chat who is, who's like, I'm 65 years old and I just started PR and it's never too late. Or someone's like, I'm letting go of the notion that I have to be skinny to be loved or like, and so seeing what other people are saying and their journey of, of, of healing is really affirming for other people. Mm. Right. So that's what I do in my, in the way that I coach, it's not just PR and marketing, but it's like, how can we address the whole self and make you feel safe and supported? And that to me, that's what true inclusion is. Absolutely. Safe, supported and seen to me, the, the three S's there are so they're so important as far as helping people feel valued and valuable. There's there's so much to unpack there that you and I could spend another entire entire hour talking about just that. But I know you have a day to get back to. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, where someone can find you and and what you offer these wonderful offerings of helping people find their own PR path and their own earned media path. Before I ask you my final question. Oh, thank you, Zelda. And, and I'm grateful that you've been a part of our community. You've been so helpful. And I think that's what makes our community is so magical, are women who are purpose-driven, but also on their own journey and very authentic. So um, I'm the host of the Small Business PR Podcast. I interview my members of my PR community. I've also interviewed Zelda here and also journalists. My whole mission is to demystify what PR is and really pull the curtain and ask the journalists, how do we get into your inbox? What should we put in the subject line? Do we send samples? All those things that is really not out there or has been gatekeeped, um, I ask. So that's my podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Gloria Chow PR. That's Gloria C-H-O-U-P-R.com. And um, I have my PR masterclass that goes in very much detail about what the CPR method is, um, because it's all about showing, not just telling. And you can watch that on demand at Gloria Chow PR.com slash masterclass, all the things. And I got to tell you, just in general, if you're listening to this and you are interested at all in PR, I have learned so much for Gloria. Go check out her stuff. And I'm not an affiliate. I'm making no money off of saying that. I'm just a huge fan of what, <laughs> of what Gloria is doing. All right, Gloria, thank you so much for that. And I would like to ask you my last question before I know you have to sign off. I, you might remember this from last time. You might not. Actually, have you been on the show more than once? You might have been on the show more than once now that I think about it. Oh, well, regardless, before we ask that question, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here and have this incredible, illuminating conversation. Thank you so much for doing that, Gloria. I appreciate it. Thank you so much and for what you do. Oh, you're, you're, I feel blessed to know you. You're fabulous. Uh, all right. So here's my last question before we sign off. Uh, is You might remember it, you might not. The question is this, if you had an airplane that could skywrite anything for the whole world to see, what would you say? The change starts with you. Wow, how fast that was. That's awesome. <laughs> I can tell that you live your truth right there. People, people sometimes go, well, I have to think about it. You were like immediately, boom. And I love that. I think that's a great answer. Gloria, once again, thank you so much for being here, for taking the time. I really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you more than you know.
Oh, ah, Mutual Admiration Society. If you've been listening to this show, you know how fabulous Gloria Chow is. Check out her stuff. Learn about Earn Media. Learn about how to get your presence elevated so that you can succeed in your creative or environmental or public speaking business, however it is that you are making your mark on the world. Until next time, this is Isolde Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast, reminding you, as always, to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in. Thank you.